This episode of Weed and Grub is brought to you by Blank Brands. Blank Brands is a compassion-priced line of products. Hold on. What do you, do you want to do like a, what, what is it called? What is what called? What is the, yeah, but what is the brand? Blank Brands. Right, but what is the name of the brand? Blank. No, no, no. I know <laughs> the space where the brand's name should be, but what is the name of the brand? It's Blank Brands. And the, you asking that is actually kind of cool because Blank Brands is kind of like an anti-brand. Oh, tight. Yeah. Instead of putting money into expensive, flashy packaging, Blank Brands keeps overhead low to offer the highest quality products at the best possible price. I'm going to try and repeat what you just said. Okay. They keep overhead low mm-hmm. so that you can afford mm-hmm. great products. Yeah. Well, their motto is all killer, no filler. Yo, yeah. I fuck with blank brands. Yeah. So they Tight. just put everything good on the inside and then they don't spend a lot of money on, you know, all of the trappings that aren't necessary. I love it. Streamline your life. Yeah. So what are some edible flavors of blank brands? So the blank brands gummies come in flavors like pineapple butterscotch, watermelon mojito, root beer float, and my personal favorite island guava oh my god yeah and their chocolate bars are made with the highest quality ingredients including belgium dark chocolate for you and golden caramel milk chocolate for me i am a belgian boy yeah 100 percent. and i'm a milk chocolate girl (laughs) (laughs) okay so what's the name uh blank brands (laughs) and they're not bougie they just taste super fancy without breaking your budget Ooh, i'll keep a pinky up while i enjoy go to blankbrand.net to learn more blank brands products speak for themselves all killer no filler blank brands hello and welcome to Weed and Grub. So brave. Archie Moo? Yeah. He's so brave. He just barked from the couch and then went back to sleep. He didn't even really bark. He like raised his head and just went like, yeah, he did a little. (laughs) (laughs) And can I, he did not, there were coyotes outside last night. Yeah. A pack of coyotes went by and he didn't even move a muscle. He was like, yeah, what are you protecting anyone against? Nothing. He chased a two-year-old on the beach today. I was like, you're choosing. Was it threatening him? No, it was like a child, like 50 feet away, throwing rocks into the ocean on like, you know, a little beach walk. And uh, Archie was like, and it was like, who, what are you afraid of? Yeah. The dangerous man with the package and the two year old, but you don't care about the coyotes. Okay, buddy. He picks his battles well, though. You got to respect someone who knows who they can win against. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. (laughs) You know, Uh, I can't I can't handle a whole pack of coyotes, but a plump little two year old that's mm-hmm. weaponless and nothing but rolls. I'll let her know. I'm boss. I'm boss. I'm boss. I'm the boss of you. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bobo has him so fucking whipped. Mm-hmm. He's just excited to exercise his dominance over anything that he can. So yeah, the nearest two year old, look out. <laughs> you heard it here first. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's great, actually. Yeah. It's really great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy, culture, cooking, cannabis, calling shit out, and Washington this week. Yes. Pacific Northwest air, the like cold, humid air after all of that arid LA lockdown air. Feels really good, right? Yeah. We took a 24-hour drive all the way up to, I don't want to say where we are, and dox ourselves. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have a guard dog who's going to protect us from the crazed maniac fans we have. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> Or coyotes. Or coyotes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what if a fan sent the coyotes? Oh, what if the coyotes are the only ones who actually listen to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) You think we're a hit with the coyote? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, that demographic, you know. Mm -hmm. Who's making pods for the coyotes? Thank you. Yeah, listen. (laughs) Well, we were talking about this week about how we wanted to do news Mm -hmm. because it's 4th of July and news is the news is the news and we were just like no news let's take a break let's take a break let's take a breather let's get out like let's get out of town let's uh get a little you know different air in our lungs and a little different vibe and actually wind it down to one episode a week for a moment and just take a little breath because everything has been so intense so yeah no news this week the news is we're not doing news the news is put down your phones yeah that's the news. That is the news this week. Isn't it wild how much you think you're going to miss and then you don't miss anything? Yep. It's wild, Remember man. that tech break? Yeah, <laughs> I was do. like, oh, what happened? All the same things happened. You just didn't hear about it, and that's fine. <laughs> oh, word? Yeah, oh, word? Oh, Ted Cruz said something fucking insane, and then someone clapped back at him, and then someone piled on that, and since someone retweeted and subtweeted and did all the tweets. Oh, okay. Does it matter to me? No. Did it change anything? Nope. Got it. Mm-hmm. So really, we're all on the couch going... <laughs> yeah that's kind of it this yep. week we're all on the couch bravely going uh, 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 uh. i'm tired <laughs> yeah it's just a, it's just a little take a break time i mean man it is so crazy that it's already july and everything just like time is so weird i mean some some days are fast and some days are long and well we get into it a little bit with our guests yeah we do open mic eagle is a really cool smart savvy artist who it was cool to speak with him on an honest tip today yeah let's talk about how time is so elastic but the band seems to never break it only gets longer and shorter without giving an inch yeah weird it is weird yeah things are so weird but it was lovely to like yeah touch base with open mic and just hear about all the shit that he's doing and how he's doing how he's doing yeah well you know what i really needed this week that i didn't know i needed besides um rarefied air and maybe um a a good hike outdoors that didn't involve scooters going by Mm -hmm. does that sound old no it's okay okay cool (laughs) um was when we we sat on that uh, outside in that backyard and ate Dungeness crab that went straight from the ocean into a pot and onto our plates. Mm-hmm. What a game changer. Just a a fresh, clean meal prepared by somebody else with love while we all chill and drink too much wine. Man, that'll restore that'll restore me every single time. It yeah. I mean, they went out on their boat, they caught the Dungeness crab, they cleaned them at the dock. They came straight back to their house. They popped them in the pot. We arrived an hour later. We ate them sitting overlooking the fucking full moon as it rose, the buck moon, and then sat around a bonfire. The buck angel moon. The buck angel moon. Yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like so, so restorative. I slept mm-hmm. better than I have in years, I would say. I had know? really crazy dreams, but they felt like those dreams that you need to have when you're deep processing 
like inception level dreams where Trauma I went dreams? no no like I went down several levels and saw several people that I only ever see when I'm processing things like my you know family members who have passed away or whatever and you see them at certain times in certain dreams you think those are dreams you don't think you're astral projecting whatever into they the are. different layers of existence I don't know I don't know enough about them but they're certainly uh dreams that feel like they're processing something and maybe something shifts and then I wake up and I feel a little a little different a little cleaner this house is clean (laughs) I do declare Mm -hmm. yeah I have rectified the (laughs) deal yeah it definitely like the full moon crab feast cleaned some stuff out and then the hike on top of a mountain where we saw like whistle pigs I didn't know that's what they were called I didn't know what it was either when um Caroline was like whistle pig whistle pig and I I just started going I don't know. For anyone listening who doesn't know, that's a groundhog or a marmot, I guess. A marmot, not a groundhog. They're different. They are, but they look very similar. They are similar. Yep. Those little marmots popping up and whistling. And we saw a chipmunk and like a bunch of alpine meadow flowers. Beautiful. Yeah. One was called like a pussyfoot. And I was like, that's kind of fun. Yeah. And my favorite, I love biology jokes. There was one where there was a little sign next to it and it was like, bend down and smell this sweet, creamy flower. Um attracts pollinating flies and it fucking smells like gym socks (laughs) it was disgusting it smelled like your old hockey bag probably smelled like after like an entire season of games it did it was was, that kind of mold funk oh it was disgusting i was like oh yeah some fucking botanist was like i'll get him (laughs) science pranks and the the a botany prank is instead of the squirting flower they trick you into smelling an ill ill smelling one yeah that's botany comedy hey smell this hey 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 Science jokes are the best. Yeah. Did you ever see the one where it was like they make you look through the telescope and then there's a ring, a sure. black ring around it, right? Yeah. Science jokes. Yep. So many great ones. So many good ones. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. We don't have any news or buds of the week this week, except I did want to shout out our bucks of the week. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah. I love that. Yes. Great. Because under that buck moon, I guess the full moon that rose is called the buck moon because right now is when all of the bucks have their little velvety antlers. Mm -hmm. And we saw a bunch of them on this hike, like right up close. So crazy close. And their velvety antlers, it's true. They look like right out of a storybook. It was beautiful. And for them to trust us or be so used to us that they didn't mind us getting close enough to feel their energy Mm -hmm. was so neat i've never been that close to a deer before yeah ever so oh so our buds of the week are the bucks of the week bucks of the week i'm so with you on that (laughs) that's so cool yeah absolutely yeah like we got close enough to hear them chew Mm -hmm. so neat and that yeah that as they rooted around so fucking awesome hearing any animal breathe is just crazy cool yeah yeah do you like when archie snores or eats or anything like that you know those are my favorite sounds (laughs) the sound of my dog snoring is pure peace and joy for me yeah yeah i get it or watching my cat bobo dream within a pause twitch. you know when you just see his little pause twitch and his little whiskers twitch it's just fucking amazing i wonder when you were talking to your great great grandparents in your dreams the other night if you were twitching too oh i'm sure i was twitching yeah yeah because your body is on another realm yeah that's the only way i can describe it definitely damn yeah. Buck Moons, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty big fan. Me too. Yeah. Well, you want to get to open mic? Let's do it. Okay. Um, I will say we were supposed to do South by Southwest with Open Mic Eagle, and I was so looking forward to that. And when it was canceled because of COVID, we knew we had to talk with him 
and we waited until he had some really cool things popping off. And now he has like a million things popping off. So the timing was just so right to reconnect with the homie and celebrate everything he's working on, including his podcast, his upcoming album, his Funnier Die series that he just finished with Baron. Um, we get into New Negroes, which was his Comedy Central show. The man is just a fucking artist and he's kind and he's good. And I just like him so fucking much. Yeah. It was a fucking great conversation, and I like him so much that I'm, like, shy about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think you're so cool. I was, yeah. And so. please listen, if you need a thing that is kind of similar to Dungeness Crab Under a Buck Moon, I cannot recommend Drive Time Radio enough on his Instagram every single day with Video Dave. He's He started it so that everyone could know what day it was. I mean, that's a public service. Yeah, it is. And it's so fun and funny. Yeah. It's great. So there it is. That's what we're doing this week. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, without further ado, here's our interview with... Open Mike Eagle. <laughs> what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? This is incredible. We have one of the first guests we ever had back on the pod again in different circumstances. And it's awesome to see you, Open Mike Eagle. How are you doing? I'm good. It's awesome to see you guys, too. And also, I say good without really thinking about it and giving you an honest answer. Would you say that you're more reasonable or possibly decent? You just say reasonable or possibly decent. Um, I say that it varies wildly by the moment. Yeah. Is that why you're creating a million different opportunities for yourself and they're all going so good so that you can distract yourself from real life? No, I'm doing all of those things for money. Um, and some of them were going better than others. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all to, to, it's all stuff that I've wanted to do anyway, but I'm trying to do for money and, and seeing how that works. Well, let's start with, can we start with your pod? Because it's like for a rap geek like me, uh, perfect. Yes, rap geeks. Rap <laughs> geeks for life. Man, congrats on yeah, man. starting that's, out number seven. Your, man. You're, you're in the target demo. Thank yeah, you. It was number six. Actually, yeah, it was higher than that by one. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I'm really glad that people are into it. It's called What Had Happened Was. Um, it's basically a podcast where I interview legendary producer Prince Paul every episode about a project that he's worked on. And so the first one was about um, this group he produced called Grave Diggers. It had the RZA in it. Um, we have episode. When is this going to air? This thing that we're talking tomorrow. About. So uh, I have an episode today that's out on um, De La Soul's first album, Three Feet High and Rising, that he produced as well. You all, it, it's cool to talk hear you talk about stuff with him because I feel like you got into making music because you just dove deep into your love of music, so you can talk with a knowledge and excitement that I don't think a lot of people necessarily could. So it's a, it, it's like y'all go deep, but it lets me feel cool because now I've got like the inside track on all these stories for records I fucking love. Yeah, I mean, same with me. Is it's it's And I say in the intro that I'm asking questions from the perspective of the super fan, you know, because I'm, these are, these are records that inspired me to make music in the first place. And I don't think I ever thought I'd be um, in a position to talk to a person who made them um, and asked them things about things that I've been thinking about for, in some cases, you know, 20 plus years. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get really excited. I got really excited when the idea came up. Really excited when we were actually taping all the episodes and even listening to them back to edit and stuff. Right now, it's just, it's um, I don't know. It's for me, and like you said, you're a rap nerd. I'm also a rap nerd. Like it is the most um, for me content that there is. Honestly, okay. So I was backstage at my Just for Laughs audition, which feels like ages ago, and I was with a bunch of comedians I didn't know. And one of them was asking me because I was wearing like some off whites and I don't know, I was just like trying to dress the that made me feel good. And she goes, are you one of those rap Jews? And at first I was like, what does that mean? And I got real upset and I took offense and then I thought about it and I was like, no, yeah, I'm a, I'm a rap Jew. Yeah, that's about right. Wow. Yeah. What is that? What is, does that mean? Anything other than the obvious combination <laughs> of words? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it means like. You know what it really means is that for me, some of my favorite lyricists um, outside of, I think, the people who would be on most people's like top 10, like Paul Barman, for me, is somebody who I really love. Um, Zach Sherwin, because of the eloquence and like the, the juiciness. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I don't know what it means possibly, but for I think most of my Jewish friends and I, we 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 love the words. We love the juiciness of a string of elegance that all ties together with like harmony. And that that's kind of what geeks me out the most. Well, I think that I might be learning that I'm a rap Jew as of this conversation. <laughs> I might also be one. And all of my education has been through hanging out with Mike and like learning about it through your eyes. Like, you know, a time in my life when I was like, oh, I'm never going to learn about new music. And then I met Mike and I was like, I'm learning about a whole world of music that has decades of stuff to dive into. So it's really cool to hang out and like just listen to you guys talk about it, honestly, because I don't know anything. (laughs) I know way too much is is my problem. So I'm glad to have a reason to finally or a way to make use of a lot of that knowledge and gain more of it at the same time. Is it the kind of thing, though, that... Does it ever get in your way when you're trying to create your own music? Because you're just like, oh my gosh, I sound exactly like blank, blank, and blank in this song. Yeah, you know, oftentimes while I'm making music, I can't listen to other music. Um, and, well, let me be more specific. While I'm making music, I can't listen to new music. Uh, so, you know, if I'm like deep in making a project, I might go months and months and months without hearing any of like the new you know, rap projects that, that come out, like I end up missing stuff and having to go back and dive into it way later. Cause, um, yeah, I do think that when I'm in my creative space, um, I want to feel confident that I'm operating separately of all the ideas in the ether. And there's no way to really do that anyway, but I like to feel that way. I like to feel like I'm operating in my own Island. Man, I, I feel you on that. I just started listening to pop smoke a lot right now. And now every time I freestyle rap in my brain when I'm taking a long walk, I'm like, oh, I'm just wishing I was this person. Damn. Okay. <laughs> I wish I was someone else. That's a great thing about rap, how like the way that people approach their patterns can like just get lodged into your head and you can start developing your own, you know, mental cadences that way. I think like that's part of like there's an appeal to rap that's really hard to articulate. And I think that's part of it is that it's something about the way people approach, you know, speaking over beats with their sense of rhythm and increasingly their sense of melody. Um, and, and it makes it 
it makes it so much less about what they are actually saying, but how they're saying it and how that can just kind of live in your mind way past when you're sitting in front of the song listening to it. Do you have other things that feed your head when you're not when you're creating and in your creative space and not listening to music like other sounds that you want to hear or yeah my new thing is putting on movies in the background like movies i really like and i've seen a bunch just putting them on really loud in the background um because they kind of fill my house with vibe Mm -hmm. like that's what i want i want my house filled with vibe especially like like my favorite directors like uh like pt anderson or corn brothers or spike lee like where their stuff just kind of has a world like that world is just reverberating through my apartment. And like, that's exactly what I want, you know. Do you, when you go on like bike rides and, and all that kind of stuff, do you fill up on the sounds of the city as well? That must filter into what you make. Kind of, but I'm usually listening to YouTube videos on my headphones, to be honest with you. Like that's usually what I'm, I'm taking in. I'm finding some long form YouTube video to listen to while I'm on my bike ride. And I'm hoping that it lasts or at least what whatever gets picked on autoplay after lasts long enough where I don't have to stop on a corner and change what I'm what I'm listening to. Uh, like an ambient sound of the ocean YouTube video or like Mr. Beast letting off fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy medium. Usually it's people talking about comic books or you know what I mean? Something else that I'm into. It's usually long form video essays that I'm that I'm eating with my mind while I'm riding my bike. Man, you're making me think it would be really dope and I don't really see it at all. If there was, like when you release a new album, it would be so cool if there was album footnotes for musicians where you would list the inspirations that you were listening to and reading and vibing with during the creation of that disc. I think that would be really great because it might inspire people who fuck with you in a way that it's like you can hear the influence and then maybe they'd want to create something as well. It used to be one of the functions of having liner notes on physical releases was that like, you know, you would hear, you would be able to read who an artist sampled or or like a lot of times what I would do, especially with rap in the era that I grew up really loving rap, there was a tradition of having shout outs in the liner notes. And I would like go through the shout outs and try to like, try to listen to every artist they shout out you know what i mean they could be like a whole paragraph worth of shout outs and i i wanted to be aware of who all these people were you know like to me that was the best kind of musical recommendation it was like i used to get i used to buy a lot of tapes and cds and shit and yeah like pouring over the liner notes to like understand i mean and honestly because i'm like 12 13 14 years old at the time it's not only me learning about like what influenced this particular piece of art in a way is kind of me learning about the world too like it's it's like understanding that a song can be mixed in one studio and mastered in another studio and then like all the like three five and seven was mastered by this guy but it sounds different than one four and twelve which is mastered by this other guy and like you know just just trying to wrap my head around all that kind of stuff you know it just made every project like a world of shit to try to learn you know and do you map like the the creations of new sounds too like when you hear something that you've never heard i remember hearing uh a tom waits album when i was a teenager and he'd like created a whole bunch of instruments out of train parts and shit and i remember like seeing him interviewed about it and hearing him talk about it do you map those new sounds and sort of like follow them when you hear them or make your own 
Um, you mean in, when I hear him, when I hear him in music? Yeah, when you hear something for the first time, and you're like, "What? You know, what is that? Where does it come from?" A lot of times for me, like, you know, I'm t- I'm talking hip hop specifically. Um, a lot of times. Like, it's really, like, it's literal. Like, I'll hear a song and be like, oh, I love this beat. And then um, I would, like, find out who they sampled to make the beat and then just go listen to that song and, like, f- listen to the album that that was on. And, you know, I found out about a whole nother artist that way. You know, like, there was like there was probably a time in my life when I was in, I think, college um, when file sharing was kind of at its peak where like that's how I would spend most of my days was um, I would get an album and I like I would search it up on this thing at this at the time it was called rap rap sample FAQ. It's called something else now. It's called Hoot Sampled or something like that now. Um, but I would just get on there. I would put in an album that I love and it would list every sample on the entire album. And that's like if the album was if the song was built around a sample it would tell you that one if the drums came from a song it would tell you that one like and so i would just put in an album on rap sample faq and go to this file sharing service called audio galaxy and i would put in every song on a whole list and download it and then like I would make a CD out of that, and then that, like that's what I was listening to that week. Yeah, you're making me think that Shazam has made us super lazy. True, but lazy. Yeah, but it's also it also. I don't know. Well, Shazam's gonna tell you who a song is, which I think is actually pretty fucking convenient because like I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been somewhere and heard a song, and there's just no way to find out what it was, and that thing will like haunt you forever. I, I uh, you've seen it, my my. Drive Time Radio Show, Glazer, you've seen that, right? I watch it I a lot, man. It's so dope. Well, thank you. It's it's a it's a thing I do just for my own amusement mostly. But I do like this radio show on my Instagram live every day, like an hour radio show that nobody asks for, but I do it every day. Um and I forgot why did I bring it up? I brought it up for some reason. Well you Who dropped a lot talking? of samples on it. Like True. Which is cool. Yeah, I can't remember why I brought it up though. So I have well, let's to talk about remember. it. Oh, well, you know, it's um, I, I started out wearing a wig and 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 doing it because I was like trying to get into like radio DJ mode. Um, and the whole purpose of it has always been just to let people know what day it is because everybody was losing track of what day it was. So like I'm like, I don't know. I'll do a daily radio show that's mostly just about telling people what day it is. And then, um, so I play music and I talk about stuff. I talk about the day. Um, we do a thing on there called the birthday line where we shout out celebrity birthdays in a very weird way. Um, we have the, uh, my guy video Dave, who's who co-hosted with me. He does a weather segment every day. That's just about everything but the weather. Um, but it's like an hour thing that we do every day and it makes us happy to do it. It gives me a reason to take a shower cause I don't leave the house. Um, it's, it's, it's functional in a lot of ways. And it uh, brings me great joy, but I still can't remember why I brought it up. It's a public service. Letting people know what day it is, is it really is. Has time been weird for you, the, the, the collapsing and inflating of time? Is it, is it flowing differently for you? Yeah, it's real strange. Uh, I, I still haven't wrapped my head around it, how some moments seem forever and other. Like, I feel like I've had a lot of free time, but I also feel like I never... I feel like I've never been this unproductive in my life. 
uh, to even though you know you you said I, I do a bunch of stuff like I feel like I did way more when I had less time. Um, so I still don't I don't understand that yet. I don't understand how I have all this time and I look up and like I didn't really do shit today. You know, for me I feel the same way, and for me it's a little bit because I have this eating seed in the back of my brain that is saying what's the point because I used to create just to create when I was a little kid. And once I realized that that wasn't good enough, you had to make money being creative. I was like, hell yeah, I believe in myself to make money. And now with the way the world is, a part of me is like trying to create just to create again, like a little kid, but without the validation of money, it, I, I feel like I lost my edge a little and it's weird. It's real talk, man. Yeah. I, I think for a lot of people too, um, like, I know a lot of people who are really self-motivated, self-starting, like, really organized and disciplined people who have, like, just fallen apart creatively during this time. And I don't know anybody's definite answer about it, but I feel like in talking to people, part of the issue is that uh, people's creativity is somewhat based on the life experiences they have. And the fact that people aren't having varied experiences from day to day right now is affecting their well of creativity. Like they just have nothing to tap into uh, because their life experience is the exact same day to day. Um, so for a few people, I know it's really, really affected their ability to make stuff. And a lot of my most creative friends who are having a hard time right now are, I mean, they just, if if you are a creative person, you're always a little more vulnerable and raw. So at a time when everything is, you know, just walking out your door is fucking stressful as hell it's it's hard to imagine that you would be able to return from a walk to the grocery store and then feel like you can make anything it's like showering and kind of feeding yourself is as much as some some folks can do i'm proud of myself when i shower and feed myself for sure (laughs) (laughs) are you cooking a lot no because i can't cook that's what that's one thing that's making me more and more acutely depressed as time goes on my inability to genuinely cook so I end up eating the same shit all the time, which is fucking maddening. So like I'm going to end up like doing Blue Apron or something dumb like that just because I need I need to learn. I'm sorry. I hope they don't sponsor y'all or nothing. Nope. But I, I need to. OK, I need I need to learn some basic skills. And I feel like that's the one that's been marketed to me the most. Um, Are you in California? I am. I'm in L.A. So you can get weed delivered. I can. I haven't because I've been I, don't, I smoke, but I don't smoke like a lot, a lot. So, like, I've had the same jar of weed the entire time. And I just looked at it yesterday, like, oh, I only got, like, three nuggets left. So I'm actually going to have to get more soon. But I, I've had the same jar of weed the entire lockdown. Well, this is actually a kind of a cool segue um, because we were all going to kick it at South by Southwest together. And that got nixed. But I wanted to get a little bit into what we were going to talk about at South by because... I mean, we're all still good people with our hearts in the right place. So we may as well talk a little bit about entertainment and cannabis and social awareness, especially right now. Between Black Lives Matter, cannabis being essential, a pandemic, and just trying to live, like, how do you, how do you live, man? How do you, how do you like decide what to fight for each day and separate it and just keep going and try to create things while raising awareness while being a good person while remembering to brush your teeth because it's 8 p.m um i'll tell you for me all of this is colored by 
my very like I, I had a lot of personal problems even before this whole thing started. Um, and so I come from a history of like of trauma and like my therapy journey has been processing that. But like one of the ways that one of the things I developed as a survival mechanism um, from youth is that like I can compartmentalize like really, really, really good, like to the point where it's unhealthy. Um, like there are iron walls separating like different parts of my psyche and my therapy work is about undoing a lot of that so I can like integrate and be like a whole person. But um, I find that in environments like this, uh, my natural inclination is to compartmentalize, is to like work, 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 feel things a little bit, um, you know, do my, you know, play video games or whatever it is I want to do. Like my my natural inclination is to separate everything uh, and deal with it kind of on whatever terms I want to deal with it on, which um, has not necessarily failed me during this time. But I also feel like it limits what I can give in terms of um, protests and having insight on what can be done in the current moment. Cause there's only so much I can deal with. And then my brain kind of taps out um, and I need to go do something else. Uh, so for me, a lot of it is about training my mind to try to focus a little bit more on the things that make me uncomfortable and sit with them longer than I, than I have the, the ability to so far. Um, but all of that is, is affecting how I navigate through this. And, and I, because I have that inclination to compartmentalize, it makes it where I can work um, because I can separate work from the, the other feelings I'm having about things. Um, so that part has, has been easy for me. I just don't know how I feel about the ease of it, I guess is what I should say. Man, I feel that so strong. My therapist described my brain as a, um, a drawer with a bunch of different utensils in it and the spoons are all with the spoons and the forks are all with the forks and the knives are all with the knives. And she was like, and we need to kind of get rid of all of those and just let the spoons mix with the knives a little bit so that it's all touching because right now it's all separate and that's not good. It's wild to hear you talk about this, man. Yeah. I mean that to me, integration is, is the chief goal of my personal life is to like allow my brain really it's it's to allow like my heart and my mind to communicate adequately because like my survival mechanism was to separate the two um and only have them communicate on my terms which means um when i get close to other people they're not getting a whole person they're just getting whatever measures of those things I'm allowing them to have, which has been pretty dangerous in relationships and, and, and stuff, too. Yeah, it's the scariest thing to let someone see everything. I think that my my journey with uh, therapy and 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 all of my sort of like trying to put all of the pieces together is just not holding on to things, um, which is really freaking hard with like big hurts. Um kind of letting things like flow downstream from me and not sort of like trying to cling to them in the, in the rapids. It's like, that's my, my work right now. It's just letting things go. 
which is, you know, right now is a great time to hold on to things because I've, you know, I've got a lot of time to like obsess and uh, think about wrongs. And so. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Like, I think mine is in some senses to try to hold on longer. Um, like I said, specifically the things that make me uncomfortable, try to hold on longer to those, like try to put brain and heart energy into those things rather than um, avoiding confrontation. Do you think that it would make you a better artist if you were able to, or do you think it would make you uh, a worse artist because you might lose your edge? It would make me a different artist, I think. I don't know about better or worse, but it would make me a different artist because I look back at my catalog now, like my music and like 65% of it is like coded shit. You know what I mean? It's like me trying to talk about shit without talking about it. Um, and so people from people who have been able to put the pieces together, are like, oh, you're you kind of have some dark shit you deal with. You know, for most people, it just kind of goes over their heads. Um and so, you know, that, that's part of my challenge to myself going forward, too, is to, like, use my art to actually help me process some shit, which means actually saying things um, rather than compartmentalizing even in, in that. Have you found a place where you've done that and it's felt good? Yes. Uh, I just wrapped up an album that's me doing a lot of that. Um, and it felt good in the moment. But, like, now is when it starts to feel weird because, like, Oh, like I have to put this in the marketplace. I have to like do interviews about this. I have to be able to stomach um, critique about it in in ways that I'm not certain. Um, I, I, well, which I'm confident it's not going to be as easy as it was when I wasn't outright saying things. Like I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult this time around to 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 take the feedback because what I'm talking about in a lot of cases on this album is like really. Um, vulnerable stuff. Yeah, it must be hard to uh, to receive any kind of criticism or feedback from someone who maybe hasn't got any idea of where it's coming from, and they're certainly not doing the same themselves. They've just set themselves up as a critic. That's tough. true. But you know, but that's you know that honestly, that's just in, in in terms of the business I'm in. It's just an integral part of it. You know. Um, you have to submit your work to the critiques. And honestly, that's part of the way that the word gets out more. Um, and I, and I think I'm, I've, I've developed the ability um, for the most part to not take it very personally, but I just feel like this project, I'm, it's going to be a little harder to do that. I think, man, you got some guts, dude. You got some fucking yeah, we'll guts. We'll see. We'll see if, if I, if I still stand on it when release day comes, that's when we'll know. That's when we'll know if, if, if the guts are present. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long ago that you were uh, you were up in a wrestling ring because of the uh, your guts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that well, that was like that was twenty eighteen. It's almost two years ago now. Um, yep, yep, that was that was fall of twenty eighteen. Um, I did that, and I think about it all the time. Honestly, because it's one of the greatest moments of my life. When I think about my life and like think about the things I've been able to do, like that pops into my head is like one of literally my wildest dreams since I was a small child was to be um, in a wrestling ring performing that way. So like to get to do that, um, it is just, it's just, it gives me a really, really special feeling like I actually accomplished something that I've only daydreamed about. Dude. And another one, it's kind of weird how our lives are 
intertwined a bit. I feel like I'm I'm always a step behind you, but not in a creepy way, I hope. Because <laughs> like coming from Chicago and then you were from Chicago and then I was doing stand-up shows in I think uh Eugene, Oregon, and there was posters for your tour with Brother Ali. Um, because you, I think it was in Eugene, you were up there as well. Oh yeah, it's just this uh, February. Yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people don't even know what they're in for. Uh, were you playing your new music on that tour to get ready for this album drop? Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember, uh, specifically that show, I can't remember. Um, I'm, I think that for the most part, I only was doing like two new songs on that tour. I know one show, um, and I can't remember what city it was in, but it was one show where I did like four or five of the new songs, and it was so different feeling. It actually felt really good at the time because like I was telling people that these songs were about some shit I was actually going through, and I think like giving them that kind of access and giving them that kind of context for the work, like made them really dial in and access. Cause they felt like I was really giving something of myself on stage. But, um, but it was fucking terrifying to like do the new shit. You know, it was, it was fucking terrifying, man. It, uh, there's some, there's some from my, I'll say this. Um, I'll say this with humility, but this is also how I really feel about it. There's some excellently written dark shit <laughs> on this album. <laughs> and uh and and performing it in front of people, you really see that. Like people's brains being like, Wow, that was dope how he said that. But wow, that was a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> when is it coming out? Uh, it doesn't come out till October because the music business is bad. Well, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but hearing you say that, there's a great interview with Tyler the Creator and Kerwin Frost. And um, Tyler is talking about how he had no idea when he was doing Igor how much better of a live performer he would be because he was tapping into something that was interior instead of exterior. And he realized, he was like, I just, I'm light years ahead of being able to hold the stage in a way that I always wanted to and I thought I was, but I wasn't. I I was kind of like not faking it because he's a, he's a great artist, but he was like, it really took doing something personal like Igor to like explode outwards to all of these people in the way I was really, that I was watching people do when I was a kid. And that kind of sounds like what you tapped into a bit with that, with that, uh, with that concert. I mean, I, 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 I do, I do fantasize that it goes well in that way. I do fantasize about a moment where like, Oh, you know, I tapped into something I was afraid to tap into and it helped me kind of break through. Um, but I guess I'm also aware of this feeling that if if I tap into something and feel extra vulnerable putting it out there and it doesn't really change anything, like that might feel weird too, you know? And, and that's and it's, it's, it's also a, a possibility, you know? It's something that I've actually like, seen and dealt with before you know like cause sometimes the hardest thing from my experience in putting out anything or doing you know lots of different stuff it's not so much that it fails it's just that it does like the feeling that it doesn't matter dude i relate to that so fucking hard god damn i didn't expect this to be this wonderful 
this is this is amazing. I feel that so hard in my stand up, man, because with stand up, you know, some of my favorite performers are people who can take that balance between like funny, weird, observational shit about the world and also like a personal story. And I've always kind of avoided the personal stories because I want to be liked pretty, pretty badly. And so if I start saying anything about my real life and those jokes don't hit, um, well, that's my real life and that hurts more than anything. Or if it starts to hit real hard and now I've got to reveal my whole life on stage, I'm scared of that too because that's a path that I don't know where that path leads. And so it's a bit of a mind fuck, but it's also, I guess, the only way to grow. But it's it, it's like any way you slice it, it's scary as hell. You just You just don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. All right, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> That'll be $250, sir. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like that's... Uh, I think, you know, while, while, while we were just talking about that, what it, it reminded me of was... Um, like, the stuff that I did in, uh, in, in TV last year, like the New Negro stuff um, that we did with Comedy Central, like, that to me was an exercise in what I'm talking about and, and, and kind of in, in the, in a, in the worst way that we put our heart and souls into a thing that because of a bunch of different circumstances, it didn't really move the needle for anybody involved with it. It didn't really like do anything. Um, the problem with that being that everybody went into it with these heightened expectations about what it could do for everybody. And, and at every step of the way, uh, the pressure is on because you do feel like you're um, there's the potential for these things to be, quote unquote, game changing things. Uh, and then to have all of that, all of that blood, sweat and tears in it and um, have it happen and then have it not really matter like that really ended up, I think, like. I know for me and Baron specifically, like that shit hurt. Like that shit hurt. Like and 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 in some ways, I think as I navigate trying to do different things and 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 keep revenue coming in and and take advantage of the fact that I do have some relationships in a TV business where if I have ideas, I can bring them to people. I feel myself contending with that all the time because, like I said, I'm a person who. Uh, doesn't always process my emotions fully. So like I find that I have a reservoir of pain based on how this thing went. And um, I find that it affects how I think about going forward when it comes to like TV type stuff. Wow. Can I ask you about the, I mean the, the sort of like enormity of that project must've felt like a huge responsibility as well. And like, uh, um, you know, when you get involved with any kind of creative partnerships or creative projects where it's a lot of moving pieces and people are counting on you, that's got to be really difficult. Do you do you value your like solo artist autonomy more because of how that went now? It's so interesting that you say that because when we were done doing that, like I like I ran to the studio, like ran, like I couldn't get to the creative space that I control fast enough because that was a really 
difficult thing for me because I'm used to having so much autonomy. I'm used to not having to answer to anyone. I'm used to being able to bet completely on myself um, and my creativity. And so to do the collaboration that it takes to do that kind of project, and it, and it makes so much sense that you have to because you have a giant corporation investing a lot of money to try to make this thing happen. Um, so there's a lot of people who have a lot of say and a lot of give and take uh, and a lot of trying to explain why it is you think this thing is as good as you think it is. Um, yeah, it, a, a lot of that left me feeling really exhausted uh, and 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 a little bit bitter when it comes to creative. Um, so yeah, exactly. Like I, I ran to the studio. I like had to make stuff. I had to get back to the feeling of doing stuff my way so that I could get that kind of that the gratifying feeling when it comes from me making something that I love, you know? Hell yeah. At the, and then to, to wrap it all up, cause I know we got a hard out you and Baron, are you still doing your FOD show? A uh, call and response as, as, uh, initially conceived was just a limited series, but we're just calling what we did season one. We were only ever going to do 10 episodes over two weeks. Um, and we did that. And then now like, we're in a space of figuring out what we're going to do next with that. Um, you know, talking to networks and all of that other bullshit, um, to see if it's going to be able to live on. Um, but it's kind of the thing where for the most part, I can look at it and be like, I'm really happy with what we did. And if it goes on great, if it doesn't go on, that's cool too. Like, you know, whereas the new Negroes, I, I came out of that, feeling also deeply disappointed that we didn't immediately get another shot to go out and do that again. You know, like, but it was, it was just a different uh, experience and a different level of like emotional investment in the project. You know, I need to know, because I know that new Negro started as a live show and then it goes to comedy central where there's a lot of producers and a lot of people who might have opinions about it. Was it was it that they just couldn't let you do what you do because that's what got you there in the first place and uh, a lot of cooks tasting the broth? Uh, you know, it, I, I won't I won't put it to that because I honestly think at the end of the day, we were allowed to make the show we wanted to make. Um, I, I can't think of any like. Like we had to make compromises, but we didn't really have to give up any of our core ideas for how to make that show. Um I think that for us, it wasn't the most compatible partnership, like like me and Baron, uh, and and that and the network. Like, I think that we all wanted it to be successful, um, but I think that there's just Comedy Central is making comedy products uh, that it categorizes however it wants to categorize based on format, based on budget, um, based on, you know, different departments they have internally with different budgets attached to them that for us isn't really like something that we, um, something that we would have thought was important. But like once you kind of get in there and you're working and you're making a thing and you realize, oh, we're making a thing that we feel like is this kind of thing. But 
they're only going to look at it as this other kind of thing because that's the budget line item that created it. Like, so for them, there is no wiggle room. Like, this is what they're going to do with it no matter what it is we hand them. And I feel like that ultimately was what ended up being kind of like rough about it was that we, I won't say we expected, but I think that for what we were making, we needed it to be treated in a certain way that just wasn't going to be possible there. I feel that. I mean, the music videos were so dope and I could kind of see, truly, I could kind of see how like the marketing and promo and how things could live online and go viral. Like you can kind of see all the pieces and how they should all fit together. Yeah. Um, man. And, and, I, I and, hope- and I, and I gotta say, I gotta say that too. I like before, cause right now it kind of sounds like I'm boohooing and comedy central let us down. What it's like, I gotta say on our end, we presented them with that plan marketing wise for like okay we'll do the show and we'll have these videos that break out and we'll have these artists um that are co-starring with us in these videos and we'll have the videos available on youtube so they can one of them can catch up and blow viral and bring people back to the show that was all set up jay just didn't go viral <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like they were they were out you know what i mean like they were out in many cases a full week before the show these videos were on youtube a service everybody has access to and every week like we would promote them and pump them out like using comedy central's channels and our own social channels and and as much as the guest would or could participate their channels none of them really caught fire but that was another hard lesson we had to learn was that like we had it in our heads that we could put out music that would enter into the music uh the cultural music ether of of that we all walk around in without the music business and it just that wasn't that that is impossible i've I've learned like it doesn't matter who you have you can have lizzo you can have method man you can have mf doom you can have whoever if the music business isn't on board with what you're doing then it's not going to I think there was a time a few years ago where there was this opportunity or a space for like things to kind of take off organically. Um, that I don't think I don't I think they've figured it out. And if you're not going to rock with them on it, it's just not going to rock. Like SoundCloud, when SoundCloud was at its most crate diggingest moments, where you could discover things and and the the virality of it was just friends sharing with friends something they loved, and now there's people who work for Atlantic who are just scooping up SoundCloud after SoundCloud and telling you what you should listen to from that. So you feel cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had artists, I mean, we had labels sign waivers to allow their artists to appear and make mu- make new original music with us. But what we didn't understand was that that waiver meant, um, we were just completely on our own when it came to like this stuff getting out into the world. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Man, yeah, I, I know we're coming up on an out. For... Oh, please, go, <laughs> go ahead, ahead, Mary Jane. Sorry. I've been yapping a lot. Oh, I just wanted to say that I hope all of that beautiful work, I mean, I saw you guys live at Life is Beautiful in 2018. Uh, and, like, I hope that the show and all of that work is just foundational for something to emerge 
in in a in a similar and more supported model because it was so fucking exciting to see what you were doing. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that we carry on is that you know no matter what, me and Baron and and really more specifically Baron is like part of a very vital comedy community that's like got all of this talent in it that is like this new generation of uh of of up and coming just super thoughtful, brilliant writers and stand ups. And like, that's what we will always represent. So no matter what we do, like those are the people who are going to be a part of it. And I feel like because that's who we represent, like we're always going to be able to keep doing stuff in one way or another. Damn. Damn. Mary Jane with the great question to wrap us up. Wow. (laughs) I just like, I like, I like knowing arbiters of cool, you know, I mean, I like knowing who to look to, who can introduce me to what's, coming up and what I should know about and, and, you know, go, go into those liner notes and those shout outs and, and figure out how to follow them. <laughs> you want to do some plugs, man? Uh, yeah, man. I got my podcast network is called Stony Island audio. Um, and right now we're producing a podcast called what had happened was with DJ Prince Paul. Um, every Wednesday there's a new episode about one of the, um, projects, one of the classic projects that he produced. Um, my music comes out on Auto Reverse Records. We just put out um, my good friend and, and brilliant rapper Video Dave's album. Um, yeah, and and that's it. And you know, people want to tap into my Instagram. I'm open underscore Mike underscore Eagle there, and we do quarantine drive time radio every Monday through Friday, and it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fucking fun, man. You bring me a lot of joy. Yes, joy. Joy is what we are. That's what we aim for. It's so it's so good. And then I want to just piggyback on your plugs and say Video Dave has some real dope merch out right now. I saw a couple people rocking it in their bathroom mirrors on selfie pics. Yes, sir. Yes, Glow sir. Glow in the dark. It's cool. Please come back. Please come back. And we'll, you know, if if you don't um, get uh, any good weed delivered to your house, we can always do a stoop drop I, i'm i'm never gonna refuse that i welcome that with with open arms whatever you run out of those three nuggets just uh <laughs> <laughs> let us know <laughs> oh man if you want to follow us we are at weed and grub on instagram wg at weed and grub if you want to email us um give us a five star click on itunes give open mike eagle a five star click on itunes leave some good reviews it takes two seconds it goes such a long way we're all trying to get sponsored by blue apron So come on. (laughs) 